James, I got the funniest text from my dad. He says, unfortunately, his church group cannot assemble, and we're going to conduct a meeting over Zoom. Do I have any tips or tricks? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It seems like everyone is into video conferencing, and me as the tech support person in the family is getting a lot of requests. And the truth is, I don't know. Do I have any tips or tricks? Like, I guess I've been doing video conferencing. James, the world's upside down. Everyone's doing video conferencing. We've been thrust into the future. You're a pro at video. Let's talk video. Well, the first important thing is I'm very glad that he reached out and said, hey, we're going to stay at home like you should. And in fact, 17 (laughs) states that don't have stay at home orders, get your act together. Um, But this is good because we actually had some people um, respond to the last podcast and they're like, hey, like you haven't talked about anything at all about any of the current pandemic or anything. I was like, you know, we don't want to talk about the pandemic. It's depressing, is it? (laughs) That's why people... Uh, we'll just talk really quick because I opened up bing.com slash COVID, which is the best COVID website, by the way, to do the great okay. tracking, everything. And then I cried. So oh, that's nice. the state. Um, that's where a great I'm in, opening like, to a show. <laughs> I sat and in now the, the band. And cried. So, uh, anyways, I digress. But no, this is great because, in fact, we have friends that are teachers. I feel so bad for all students. Just just putting, putting this out there. If you're a student and or teacher or God forbid both. I'm sorry. <laughs> Life must be so tough for you. Uh, good luck. S- yeah, stay and, strong. <laughs> and our friend is a, I think she teaches like first or second grade. So they're doing all Zoom calls as well. And then we have a user group and we're trying to figure out how do we keep people connected, right? And you and I are connected every single week via this podcast to all of our friends. We hope that we're connected to you, but we only get to have a one-sided conversation with you where me and Frank, we at least get to talk every week. So that physical connection is really good. And in fact, before we talk about tech, because I've used a lot of different tech recently, because I think for every different situation, it's kind of who, who are you talking with? What are you trying to accomplish? Because every Saturday we have a Google Hangouts with my sister and my brother-in-law. We just talk for an hour on the phone, get some FaceTime in, talk about events. And then on Sunday, we talk to our good friends, Craig and Dave, and we have breakfast together. We do a brunch together via Teams um, uh, call. Let me interject because that is one thing I miss. I didn't know I'd miss it, but I used to go out on weekend breakfasts, breakfastesses with all the friends. And I always call myself a hermit, but it turns out you start to miss those weekend breakfastesses. And that's a great one. I love the idea of the video breakfast. Uh, my friends and I, we go out for bar trivia and we've begun doing, we call it friend trivia. So we do video conferencing and we all video conference using Discord and do trivia that way. So I love all these little hacks we're all learning. Very nice. Yeah, I feel like there's always a way basically to make it happen. And the question is, can all these things scale up and does it work how you want it to work? And what are you trying to accomplish? And it seems like in our situations, it's worked fairly well. So you use Discord, which Discord's fun. You have like your own mini server, kind of. It's like your own personal yeah. server, which I kind of like. Is it possible to compare and contrast these things? I don't think we're that organized or we could do it, but I wish someone would make a website that just was like a breakdown of pros and cons of all these services, because honestly, they all float in my head. So when my dad sent me this text, he says, we're going to do it over Zoom and Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Everyone's talking about Zoom. James, I've never used Zoom. I've used all the other ones. I've used Teams. I've used Skype. I've used uh, Hangouts, Discord, you know, everything. Uh, but like, I don't know. Uh, do I have to learn zoom? (laughs) Well, I think that, I mean, you don't have to learn anything. I mean, zoom, zoom is very straightforward. And and the reason it became so popular, I think early on, we use it all the time in the Xamarin days back in the day is that it was really, really quick and really high quality. And it, it really integrated into like, I'm going to create a team's call. It gives you a unique link for that specific call. And then you can just hop onto it, hop off to, off of it, really. And you could just share that via an email or in your email. So it's nice to basically create a meeting. You know, you're creating a virtual meeting that gives you a URL. That's really what it's doing. I love that. Uh, I used to use, when I was doing a lot of consulting, like go to meeting 
for con mm. contacting people and doing all that. And the nice feature there was it was URL based. Because I think what we've all discovered is if you ask people to create accounts on the service, that's where all these meetings kind of fall apart, especially if you have a bunch of people that haven't used that software before. Even me, I, I'm terrible. You know, you've dealt with me using a new app before. So all the friends are like, we're going to try this app and this other app. And I'm like, I don't know how to do it. I can't use it. Don't make me create an account. I turn into such a baby. I just have such a low tolerance for software that, um, I, I yeah. <laughs> so I'm just happy that you said that it's easy, simple URL based. That's good. Yeah. And you, you don't need accounts. I think that's really, really important. Like you just said, because anything that requires you to, if you're working at a company, it obviously makes sense. Like we're sure. at Microsoft, we're at, we're on teams and we just, you know, can send that out. And also if you invite an external individual to a team's call, they don't have to create an account. They can join as a guest basically. Um, but it works a lot better when you're all internal where the zoom thing, the thing that they're really famous for with zoom is they call it the Brady bunch effect, which is that everybody on the call has everybody, everybody's on, everybody is on, you know what I mean? In a big grid, which is very, if you have like a hundred people, that's not going to make it's any simple. sense at all, but yeah. Yeah. But it's simple. Like there's, there's no, I think a trick about hangouts is how they always try to bring focus to the person who's talking. And that algorithm is sometimes right, but other times it's just someone tapping on their desk or something like that. So I think that there's just a nice simplicity of a giant grid. There's nothing to question. Yeah. Uh, I, and we were having this discussion on the .NET Foundation GitHub, which was how do we keep user groups engaged? Like, you know, .NET user groups, how do we not just keep them engaged, but keep them going during these times? And that said, well, why don't we figure out how to give a recommendation of what tools to use. And this came into a spiral of every single tool ever. Right. But I, I sort of group them into different categories because it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? And in your dad's case, who's your dad? Correct. I want to make sure I'm correct. Yes. My dad, your dad. So in your dad's case, the question that I really have to ask him is, well, what are you, what are you trying to, what is your goal of it? Are you trying to do a presentation? What sort of interaction do you want? I think that's the important part because it's the interaction part. Do you want that or do you not want that? So I group these things into three zones. Ready? Ready? Zones. Ooh, okay. Zone one. Zone, zone A. Zone one. I call it free for all. <laughs> the Brady Bunch free-for-all? Is that the name of this episode? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, that's the free-for-all. And we'll dive in these, okay? Group two is the is the webinar, which is the I am speaking, presenters are speaking to a group of people and we can field questions, but they don't get to turn on their microphone or their camera or anything like that. So that's the right. webinar. I like to call that the second tier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the third tier is live stream, right? So the first two, those are private. And then there's live stream, which is broadcasting to the world, which is what you do on Twitch, Frank. <laughs> Not me, just yeah. you. You're more popular than me, so I give oh. up. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really like how you're breaking these down. Because at first I was going to start asking you, like, don't all the pieces of software out there have these modes? Can't I go into Brady Bunch Free For All? switch to webinar, switch to live stream. But no, the truth, I guess you made your point right there at the end with uh, Twitch. And yes, I am twitching around, James, having a lot of fun with that, actually. Um, at first, I thought that live streams were kind of the webinars, but it turns out live streams are a little bit different. Live streams are more of a hangout and chit chat and kind of group. So in some ways, it's almost a Brady Bunch free for all, except that there's just one person or there's a focal point of people. So all these could definitely blend together. I definitely see that. But now I'm seeing the way you break it up. Yeah, it's some different purposes here. Yeah. And I think on the you're right. I think it is like the Twitch streaming. I do it because it's kind of a cool like me and my friends getting together, but I'm sort of in control. So I get to decide if I want to <laughs> answer the question, but also the chat room can just do their own thing. You know what I mean? Um, but in that regard, it's completely open, right? You are live streaming to the world, which means who knows who is going to come into, into there. Right. And if you wanted a webinar, you sort of do want that. Like you do want it to be open so you could give anybody a link, but you don't want people to bomb your meeting. You know what I mean? So that's like the approach where like you're doing Twitch, but 
technically you have to moderate that, right? You have to have bots. You have to have someone watching. You have to have the bandwidth to do it. You have to make sure people aren't swearing and causing havoc. Now, no one can bomb your video feed, which is very, very good, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you use Zoom or use Teams or you use any meeting, Google Hangouts or whatever, BlueJeans, all those other ones, I think BlueJeans is one, I'm going to think it is. <laughs> but any of those which are in the first category, which is free for all, that is you are giving a link out to the world, Skype, right? Same thing. You give a link out to the world and anybody comes in, they can turn on their webcam, they can turn on their, their microphone. And yes, you can boot them, you can turn them off, but anyone can come in and say anything at any time. Right. And you may want that. And that's really good for a meeting. So those free for alls are really, this is a meeting where we want people to participate. Everyone can listen. Everyone can talk. Everyone can have on video type of situations. And all of those pieces of software work, they all work very, very similar. Some of them you have to sign up for accounts. Some of them you don't, you know, in, in general, but th that's why I think free for all is. I thought it was funny when you were naming some of the ones in the beginning. You're like, I'm not sure if that's one. I'm like, I literally don't know, James. You could just be saying random words at this point, and I would believe you that it's a video conferencing software. Uh, one of the ones that I tried was called Jitsi. Have you tried that one? Mm. J-I-T-S-I. -I. I've guess heard of it. open source. I've heard of it. It yeah. worked. It worked. You just type in a thing, do the link. I have no idea who's... This is what kind of freaks me out a little bit, if I'm honest. I don't know whose servers this is going through. It has to be going through a server. There's no way to do a direct connect this simply. So, like, what are they doing with the data? Okay, so I'm getting a little paranoid. I don't want to make the show into that, but it is weird that there are so many of these, but no one's really clear on where that data is going or what it's being used for. Let's okay, talk about that. Head off. <laughs> Let's talk about that at the very, very end, because I was yeah. listening to some tech meme ride homes recently, and they talk about some zoomage. Um, oh yeah. And, sure. And the responses. Now I, I don't know. I, I'm not a security expert, but uh, let's let's just get into it. Let's get it over with. Okay, so there is pure end-to-end -end encryption. How, Frank, you what doesn't have to be video end-to-end -end encryption. What does that mean? Go. End-to-end -end encryption means that both sides have a secret. Well, oh, whatever. In this case, because you're doing a video conference, let's imagine two people. Both sides have a secret. They encrypt their data so that only with the shared secret can it be unencrypted. That means no third party could ever, ever in this day and age decrypt the data because they don't have either of the super private secrets or the shared secret. They don't have either of those, so they can't do it. They can't touch it. It's not how most encryption works, because honestly, it's a pain to set up, and it means that services cannot audit the traffic going through them, and they may want to actually see the bits and bytes going through. Uh, so I think it's a mixture of people don't always implement end-to-end -end encryption because it can be a little slower, it can be a little harder to set up and get going correct. But honestly, in this day and age, there's no reason not to have it. <laughs> uh, the alternative is uh, what most sites do. You have an encryption, encrypted connection up to the server, but once the data is on the server, it's totally unencrypted. So anyone who has access to that server or that network, whatever, could potentially read your data. Not possible in end-to-end -end because they still don't have either of those secrets. Perfect. And that's what Zoom does. And I think that's probably what a lot of other ones do. I don't know. All I know is I know Zoom does only because I was listening to that tech meme ride home where that kind of question came up when they, they said they have end to end, but really what they mean is that they have client to server encryption via HTTPS, right? In yeah. general. So your data is going to their server, internet encrypted, and then from their server going back down to the other client internet, you know, protected, yeah. you know what I mean? So the idea is that if someone's sniffing on your network, then technically no, they would, shouldn't be able to see it because it's HTTPS, but that doesn't mean that someone in the, some server somewhere has that data. And I, like I said, I don't know all of the, end. I know like signal, right. That's one of the big end to end ones or, you know, whatnot, what they're saying, but, um, yeah, that's always something to think about and depends on what you're doing on online that you may want to, or may not want to, have that on there um, in general, but I guess that's a general every service that we use type of problem. Yeah, I think the truth is very few services offer true end-to-end -end encryption. FaceTime, FaceTime, private, 
Uh, possible. Yeah, I don't know the, for that one. Um, and I think uh, in the case of Zoom, they sometimes advertise it as end-to-end, even though it's not. But then there's this weird thing about it has a mode, like maybe an option that you can set to turn it on to be a proper end-to-end encryption. But that I honestly should stop talking because I only read like the first couple paragraphs of the article that I'm thinking of. Um, but I think what we're all learning right now is that we want true end-to-end encryption, where we all have our public and private keys and we use that to completely avoid man-in-the-middle attacks. Absolutely. But then there is another one to all this, which is what is the services storage policy? Mm. Uh, I think the best services out there say we don't store any data. The moment it goes through our network, we throw it out, you know, and that's ideal, honestly. But then other services, they want to I don't want to say profit from it because obviously companies profit. That's the whole reason to have a company. Um, But they could use the data to say train neural networks or, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do with the data. So I think this is a good time. You know, I was going to say like read the terms of service, but who the heck reads the terms of service? So I don't know, read Twitter and find out what the good apps are and what the bad apps are. I'm sure there's some Reddit thread that that will tell you. But yeah, you know, and and it depends on your situation because I think of in the in the form of a live stream like on Twitch, you don't care, right? Because you're literally broadcasting it to the world and you're going to upload it to YouTube later. So it's everywhere. (laughs) And that's your point. Now. Uh, a lot of the user groups uh, were asking, like, should I do this? And I recommended no, because one, it's very complex. You got to use a bunch of different third party software. You got to OBS it. You got to <laughs> pipe in audio if you have guests on, things like that. It works well for one person or people in a room or like for the .NET Conf, the Xamarin edition, like it was a whole orchestration of producers behind the scenes and tons of different hardware and things like that. And like you can do it, right? You can pipe it through. It's just going to be more error prone is sort of the issue, which is then maybe you want to go towards one of the other models. And I think for your dad's case, I would ask him, well, what does he want to get out of it, right? Does he want that webinar style? Does he want to present and have presenters? Or does he want that to be more of a community, everyone sitting around? And a lot of people will say, Use the the easiest one, the Zoom, the Google Hangouts, the normal Teams meeting, the Skype meeting. My problem there has always been, I like that everyone can talk and that sounds great, but what happens when you have 50 or 100 or 200 people out there? And in these times, you may have more interaction from his individuals at church or like our user group where we have more people signed up for this event than any other one ever because I tweeted it out and said, hey... Like, come on out, you know, because it's, it's a webinar style, so anyone can come and join. And I think that's the sort of question you have to talk about. And that middle tier is the one that I like. So you have to have the ability to say, what is my trade-off? And the one I've been leading towards, towards user groups is either go to meeting, which is, which is basically, or web, there's WebEx or webinar, go to meeting webinar series, um, or teams microsoft teams has a new feature called live event and live event is really cool i did a whole video on the youtubes about it funny enough that i was making a video about another streaming software that i put on youtube it was funny but this is really cool because you have producers and presenters so i'm a producer and i can have additional presenters like i could add you as a presenter and what's cool is then only you and me are able to um, have audio and we're able to share our screen. Everybody else is sort of in visitor mode into it. Now they can't chat, but they can do a Q&A um, so they can ask mm-hmm. questions. And then the producer or the presenters on can sort of say, yes, approve that question, approve that question, reply to that question back and forth. So that's really more of a one-sided communication, right? It's, it's very much like asynchronous, like I'm presenting, someone asks questions, I approve it, go back and forth. So it depends on the style of presentation that you want. And what I love is that in this thread, there's so many options and there really probably is a solution for like what type of environment you're trying to set up. Because those first ones, the free-for-all, and even this Teams one or the GoTo meeting or whatever, the, the WebEx one, 
those are probably the easiest one. You install something and your users just open a browser and enter a URL and they're good to go, right? Just the, what experience do you want? Well, my dad is not on the show to answer for himself and to answer your questions, but I'm going to give you fake answers, things I think you would <laughs> say. Uh, so it's kind of funny. Um, it's pretty old. If it's the meeting that I'm thinking of, I'd have to get some clarification from him, but I'm pretty sure they are a classic Robert's Rules of Order, heary, heary, <laughs> let's bring this meeting to attention, read the notes from the last meeting. I think it's very, very formal. So it was fun listening to your explanation there, because at first I was like, this should definitely just be the Brady Bunch free-for-all, 100%. But now, after listening to what you're saying about like the webinars where you have just a select group in control and where the chat room is a more formal Q&A, it's sounding like that's the better one, um, just because they are already so formal and all that stuff. But I do worry about, um, this is probably the wrong analogy, but the cathedral and the bazaar, I kind of like the idea of the free-for-all, like a little bit of chaos, and you're like, hey, you, mute your microphone, your dog is too loud. You know, because you can turn a free-for-all into order. Mm -hmm. You can't turn order into a free-for-all. True. True, true. So I kind of like the flexibility that the Brady Bunch free-for-all gives you. But at the same time, <laughs> maybe for my dad's meeting, the Robert's Rules of Order kind of meetings, maybe that webinar style's better. Yeah, there's there was one I was using. I think it was WebEx. It was like a Cisco one. And what they do is it's sort of free-for-all, but then they're able to, I think you can put it in a mode. It's very similar to Teams, how they do it, but that you kind of pass the presenter baton. So you can kind of, there's someone that says, okay, now you're able to present or whatever. Now the floor is open type of thing. Because I think on the Teams one, what's nice is that I could say, let's say we have five presenters, right? So let's say this meeting is is five people, but they're presenting to like 30 people in the in the in the church, right? So mm -hmm. your dad could have like five people on and could say, okay, now it is time. He's kind of in control. He's the producer now is saying, like, and now <laughs> Frank is talking, and now Marie is talking, and now you know, John is talking and kind of lets them present. But I do, I do struggle with that too, which is what you said. And John Galloway and I, we were talking about this for user groups and we were saying, okay, well, well maybe you do want the chaos sometimes. Cause what happens when you want to open the floor to Q and A and you want to have the community feel, well, if you're in a webinar presenting, it's not really a community feel. Same thing with kind of, um, there is a community feel to like Twitch streaming, but then also, not at the same time because they just can't flip on their camera. Right, but that's cultural. So in the mm. Twitch streaming, I've definitely learned this. It's up to the presenter to keep the chat room involved. Mm. And so there is a culture developed around Twitch that like the software is not enforcing at all. In some ways, I feel like the software is even in your way of making that happen. And so I've really started to love the um, Twitch streams that put the chat room live on the screen. Mm. I because that's, you know, really giving that community feel. So if you have a comment to make, you know, you can type it out and it's going to appear on the screen. The problem is then the Twitcher has to become a much better moderator. You have to keep an eye out for people posting bad stuff, things like that. Wow, there are so many social things to get into here. Maybe we should all return to Robert's Rules of Order. I should do a Twitch stream like that. <laughs> Just <laughs> like, uh, will the prosecution please present their argument? Well, you know, I always thought that, you, you know, I think the, the cool part about all these pieces of software is that they do work anywhere, right? They can work on your phone. They can work on, on, on a browser. They can, you can install software. But it is... I always feel like there is uh, the reason you see so many is that there's an opportunity, right? There are pieces of software that are great for X, right? For this purpose. And when I was talking to my, my teacher friend, she was using zoom and they spent the first like two or three days teaching the kids again, they're five and six years old, how to mute your microphone. It was like mute, unmute. Yeah. It's mute, you but know, that's and, a good lesson. It is. Like, a good that's lesson. a good lesson. That's a good school lesson. Like the fact that that's not in the curriculum is because the curriculum is old. Like mm. that should have been in the curriculum. <laughs> Maybe not for five-year-olds. I probably wouldn't have guessed for five-year-olds. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I've talked before. Nothing makes me happier than seeing babies play on an iPad. So 100%. I, I'm hoping, I think I kind of alluded to it in the beginning. I think this whole virus thing is kind of shoving us into the future a little bit. 
Yeah, I can imagine also like digital classrooms. I think there's an opportunity here. So I have a call out to all software creators right now, <laughs> which is if you have a piece of software that is live streaming, I think it will be really great to have that sort of meeting leader. So in this case, my teacher friend, what if she had the ability to say, you know what, turn off and keep everybody's microphone off for the next, for, for right now. No one can turn it on until it's, it's like, you know, you know what it is. It is that child lock in your car. You know, when you accidentally turn on a child lock and you're like, why won't this door open? I'm so, I'm so mad right now. Your friends get so mad at you. You're like, why are you treating me like a child? You're like, I don't know. I don't know how to use the child lock. (laughs) That is what they need. They need that in all software. There needs to be an owner, right? And there needs to be people that have the power that can child lock it. Cause I think that would be really cool. Or, or even, you know, make those buttons big. Like, especially if you had a, a kid mode, right? Imagine you're in zoom or you're in Skype or you're in teams and there's a big, there's a child mode, right? And the child mode basically makes those buttons bigger and more clear of, of what, you know, they actually need to do because most of those kids are just going to turn on and off their microphone. Those buttons probably need to be bigger or kind of like in a place. I mean, kids are really smart, but what I'm saying is make it, make it in so like these kids don't accidentally share their screen, you know, or flip around the camera or do whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love that um, in this day and age, the software pretty much works everywhere. You said that before for a couple of my, uh, at least one of my uh, trivia nights, I was sitting out on the deck next to a river with my iPhone pointed at me. You know, we have Wi-Fi. Thank God for the internet during this virus. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about some lighter topics, all right? Right. Um, What about backdrops, okay? So I know some of the softwares out there are sophisticated and others are not. And I found myself on the Amazon Prime Now app looking for green sheets (laughs) because I don't have a green sheet. (laughs) Uh, Should I buy a green sheet, James, number one? Uh, Number two... um, how do I make my apartment not look as messy as my apartment actually is? <laughs> okay. This is a great question. Um, so like the, I'm sure there's many, but I, I obviously work at Microsoft. So I use a lot of Microsoft tech during the day. And I know that Skype and teams both have a blur my background and that is using depth per, you know, depth things built in your camera. So it works with every single camera out there and it does a fairly good job, I would say, but like if a small human like even with a comp without a with a complicated background it would still be able to remove it oh yeah correct yeah very complicated ones it does very well yeah good um but if like a small human being runs up it's going to (laughs) put them in it right or if there's things moving in the background it does a fairly decent job because there's still a background there's still things happening right if a dog comes Mm -hmm. up or whatever now the green screen is a great idea if you have a space where you can put a green space green screen but you also need to have software that will be running or a camera that supports it. Like a lot of the Logitech ones support it out of the box. And there's, there's definitely software on your computer that can do it automatically, but it's a little bit more of a complex setup um, type of thing for me. Yeah. Okay. What I do is I just have a room divider and I just put the room divider behind me and a room divider. You can't see anything behind me. Like when I stream right now, I'm in a completely different room in the house. So you can't really see it, but when I'm in my normal stream setup. Um, I have a room divider and behind that room divider is, is actually like a, a love seat. Like this old Heather had this old love seat that she really likes and it has like these huge stuffed monkeys on it. It has my closet with like a bunch of laundry everywhere it has Heather's <laughs> desk with a bunch of all of her stuff, but you don't see any of that because it's a divider behind, behind me and it just sort of blocks off everything. And that's what I like to use. I- had completely forgotten all about dividers and I've even seen yours and I've still forgotten about dividers. Yeah. (laughs) That is a pro tip. Thank you very much. Yeah. I would love like a very light one with maybe like just a rice paper, something very simple. Mm -hmm. That'd be ideal. Oh, good. So now I don't have to find a green sheet on Prime now because I think they're sold out. I think there was actually a run on green sheets. <laughs> uh, but I feel a little bit bad because um, I've been doing a lot with neural networks. I keep talking about it on the show. And part of that is I can do amazing things with um, doing weird shifts to images. So like drop out the background, turn me into a lava monster, <laughs> you know, things like that. And I'm so sad that I haven't actually been 
doing any of that. So now I'm just complaining about my lack of technical skills. Do you know of any way to like run your own software through the webcam? I think that's the problem with all these softwares is like they all probably have a plugin model, but they're all probably different. So there's no way to like create one cool Lava Monster Frank to use on every program. And I find that a little bit sad. So, oh geez, um, that's a good question. Wait, I just, I just thought of it. I'm, I'm going to write this app tonight. It's going to be a virtual webcam, and it's just going to be turn yourself into a lava monster. It'll Boom. be great. There you go. Yeah, I think there is a few webcams that let you do effects and do different stuff, or pause your camera and have more control. I know what, um, what was it that, um, one thing that David did. So now we're getting into complex zone, but David Ornow, um, did it a lot, which is he will take his OBS feed, so his open broadcast software. And mm-hmm. what you can do is you can use something called NDI. Um, do you know what NDI I'm is? I'm liking this. Anytime it's initials means it's going to be good and powerful. I'm ready. Give me NDI. What yeah, is so it? So NDI, what the heck does it stand for? NDI. <laughs> Put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, NDI tools are what you need. Is from a company called um, NewTek. It's called the Network Device Interface. That is so generic. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Now they have something called a virtual something. I don't know. But anyways, you install, you install, um, you install NDI tools. And this thing is really cool because what it allows you to do, there's two main parts of it that I've, I've know of, but if you install NDI, since it's the network device interface, right? You can have a webcam on another computer and over the network, make it a source on your computer. That's what I'm talking about. Virtual webcams. Love it. Yes. And and in fact, they have an iPhone app where you can take your iPhone and then NDI stream it to your computer. So it becomes a webcam. It's very cool. Yeah. I was actually thinking about doing that. Um, Just pro tip. If you just plug a cable into your iPhone and open up QuickTime, you can actually just start recording the screen. I was actually considering using that as an external camera as an app developer i have lots of old old phones around that could make like mm-hmm. a i was thinking like i could have a three camera setup in twitch james you know camera a camera b camera c you could <laughs> you should do and you should do that right and that's pretty cool um and, and and you could even do this like like over your wi-fi technically you wouldn't even have to plug it into your computer and you could just pipe it in but yeah the other thing i like is that what you can do is you can have things to become NDI sources and other things can accept NDI sources because NDI in the NDI tools has a virtual camera. So if you follow the NDI spec, what you're able to do is pipe that video into the NDI virtual camera and then make that the source for anything. So for Teams, for Google Hangouts, for anything. So what a lot of people will do is they will set up their scene in OBS and then turn OBS, the whole thing in OBS, into a webcam. Okay, That way, no matter what software they're using, they get to put up their cute little one-thirds and all that. Exactly, yeah. They can Mm -hmm. look like John Oliver whenever they want, or a lava monster, Michael. Yep, you can have all your different scenes, all this stuff. You can change between different web cameras from a single source. And in fact, if you watch the .NET Conf keynote with David and Maddie, what David did is he put both Maddie and David as little Zamagons, and then he would change sources, go to his desktop, go to Maddie's desktop, go through all these things because he was using an NDI source, which was very, very cool. Yeah, I was going to ask him how he got those little Zamagons, how he got people inside of Zamagons. So you revealed the curtain. The wizard has been revealed. I love it so much. Pretty cool. Yeah. So you can, you can do all sorts of things, but here's what you need to know. Just go use one. It doesn't really matter. They're all going to do the same thing. But I think the question you need to ask yourself is like, what type of situation you're going to try to get yourself into and how do you want users to interact? Like, how do you want the group interaction to be pretty much is what I like. Yeah. Um, that, that's something I'm going to definitely have to suggest to my father actually is I'm not sure if everyone there is going to be comfortable in a chat room. That might also be a new experience for them. I'll be honest. I grew up on IRC and Twitch chat rooms are still a bit of a new experience for me. They move a bit faster than you expect. Uh, I accidentally, uh, logged into one of the popular Twitch streamers that had 8 billion people in a chat room. Mm-hmm. And I thought my computer was going to explode. 
I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I've never seen so many emojis fly past my screen. But I guess that's a good problem. If he has 8 million people show up to his church meeting, that'd be a good thing. That'd be a good thing. Well, if he wants that many people. <laughs> so Don't we all? Isn't that why? No, that's probably not why he's running the meeting. <laughs> Well, oh, Lordy. <laughs> well, I think that we'll know more next week. I'll put a link into the user group so everyone can experience a Teams live event next week if you want. It's on next Wednesday. So Wednesday the 8th um, is when and it what is. is that? Um, and it'll be John Galloway talking about what's new in Visual Studio for Mac for .NET developers. So I, I understand that you're a .NET developer that uses a Mac. I basically live in VS for Mac. It's my home. <laughs> So you can I'm join happy. the webinar and you can you can understand the Teams thing, see if it works for you or not. <laughs> so, actually, I got a little bit of taste of the Teams thing because I attended the secretive MVP summit and I got introduced to Teams there. Yeah, oh, nice. so that one that one I learned. Yeah, uh, these are all interesting pieces of software. I'm sorry, my mind's just going over and over how to become a lava monster. Now it's just I'm totally distracted by that. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think I'm also just kind of happy that, you know, we're dealing with a virus in the best possible way we can by being social internet people, which is kind of our profession, being social internet people. So it's our time to shine. And I'm glad that we reviewed, reviewed all this stuff. So I just sound a little smarter to everyone I speak to, even though I just messed up that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Anything else that you want to talk about today? Oh, uh, how do you how do you light a scene? How do you get good sound quality? Isn't it funny how like all the professional night shows are doing YouTube streams and they're way worse quality than like your average Twitch stream? Oh, yeah. We could just talk about video for the rest of the night. Oh, man. Yeah, I got this question from a few of my colleagues, too. And, you know, I'm not an expert on this at all, right? I don't have a DSLR setup. I don't have the nice fancy backdrop. I love watching um, uh, Seth Meyer. He did his yes. first one from the hallway, which is a terrible idea because it's super echoey. It was so echoey. It uh, was so... I wasn't sure if it was a joke because, what, Colbert did it from the bathtub. So, obviously, that's a joke. Mm -hmm. But, like, was the hallway a joke or was it just a bad idea? <laughs> I think it was just a bad idea. You know, a great place to do it is in inside of a closet because um if you're only doing audio like if you were recording a podcast a a closet with a bunch of clothes is amazing because all that clothes asks um they act as a natural noise damper and you can hear probably on the podcast for the last week or two that i'm a little bit more echoey because i am in a different room which doesn't have anything in it besides me and a microphone and that's really bad so i do I've hung up a few blankets just on the wall. They're just blankets on the wall to dampen the noise. And that's helped a little bit. Um, but yeah, it is very fascinating, you know, and if you want that sort of backdrop, you got to have a nice, you know, sort of that faded background. You need a nice DSLR that's going to focus and do stuff. And, you know, for your microphone, it's really hard. I was talking to my boss today, Joseph, I have this whole guide on my GitHub about at homework setup and what you should have or what you shouldn't have. And he got the Yeti caster, which is really nice. It's a Yeti uh, microphone, which is a pretty nice $100 to $150 microphone, but it's on a stand because he had a microphone, but it, it was so low to the ground that it sounded like you couldn't even, I, I just thought he was using his laptop microphone because he sounded so far away. And I said, no, you have to put the microphone really close to your mouth. That's how microphones work. You need to speak into it. And, um, you know, for podcasting, it, there's no video. So you don't look like an idiot. You only look like an idiot if someone walks into your room. But if you watch your Twitch or you watch my Twitch or a lot of different Twitch people, you'll see their microphone right up in their face um, only because they're doing a bunch of different sources and, and it, that's how they're going to look. And not every Twitch streamer has that sort of setup. They probably have way really expensive microphones that are super focused and dialed in on them. But if you're spending a few hundred bucks, you can do that. So we spent a good five minutes of this call just so rearranging it. And I was like, it doesn't need to be directly in front of your face, but realize that there's a, there's a zone in the microphone, a sweet, sweet spot, right? Which is like speak into here and it will sound better because right now I'm speaking directly into the microphone. If I speak over here, that's very different. 
If I speak over here, that's very different. If I speak above it, it's very different. But if I speak right into it, I sound real good. You're making me realize that uh, those night show people did have one extra level of difficulty. They were all using like lavalier mics, Mm. so they couldn't put a microphone right in front of their lips. So I guess that's also why they got poor audio, because they just couldn't do it. It's not normal. I guess like back in the day, Johnny Carson used to have a mic on his mm-hmm. desk, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. they and should lo- bring back the Johnny Carson mic. And lobs are good, right? We use lobs all the time. You just need some pretty good lobs, and you sort of have to be in a space that can handle that. To be honest with you, but lobs are pretty good. The only problem is with lobs is that you know it's down on you. So if you turn your head a lot, you don't see the lob. So you can oh, right. go in and out, right? Or some people are wearing shirts that the lobs don't attach to nicely or flip-flop around. Or if you get a microphone, you shove it right in front of your face, boom, you're going to sound really good. But you need to balance that in some way of how you're recording the video so you don't have this big thing. But I said, you know what? It's fine. Have a big microphone in front of you because you're going to sound great and no one cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how I look. But for your dad... Yeah he's going to be speaking into his laptop and it's going to have terrible audio, but it's not going to matter because everybody's going to have terrible audio. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I tried to give him the tip of ask everyone to mute when they're not speaking because everyone uses their in-room speakers Mm -hmm. and their in-room microphone. So immediately you get feedback, just instant feedback from everyone. It's like, please mute everything. Always be muted. That's the only audio tip I've really developed over time. Always mute. And, you know, I told, um, someone said, you know, oh, James, you put out this guide and it was, you know, very expensive stuff. And I was like, well, you know, it's, you know, it can go from a hundred dollars to $500. It just depends. And, you know, you don't need to spend any money. If, if, if all you can afford is your laptop microphone, then use your laptop microphone. But if you want to level it up and I said, you know what, just buy a headset, $20 headset, USB headset, it's going to sound a thousand times better than, than what yours does. Right. Yeah, I was actually going to say gamer headset because uh, one critique uh, that goes around on Twitch definitely is keyboard noise. You know, programmers love their clickety clackety keyboards, but some people really can't stand it when you're, you know, pounding away on the keyboard and that's coming through the mic. I think a uh, very nice thing from this podcast is we were able to get mic arms uh, so we can decouple the microphone from your desk and i think if you're pounding away on a keyboard during a meeting i personally also can't stand it hearing that low frequency so please if you're gonna do recordings try to isolate the microphone yeah okay last thing you said lighting lighting i'm not an expert on either i i buy everything elgato because they make a bunch of great streamer stuff and i own two key lights i'll put the guy that i put up on on in the show notes but i own these key lights and they're very expensive it's like 200 dollars each but they're wi-fi enabled you can you can change all the oh, colors and sensors you have and, good lights you have like pro lights that can actually put out some power and that can actually change color a little bit mm-hmm. i, I try to get the that's nice brightest ones i could they're like 58 or sixty-five thousand lumen or something i don't know 6500 lumen they're very bright and you can change um, the different settings, like, do I want cool? Do I want warm? Like what's the light in the room? How's it going to interact on me? And I started with one, but I went to two because I was getting shadows. So I have ones that are coming down at like a 45 degree angle from my left and right that come down on me. Um, and I like that because actually in Seattle, it's usually darker outside. And if the sun doesn't Mm -hmm. come out, I just turn them on, even if I'm not streaming because it's like, I'm outside. It feels good. (laughs) It feels good. It feels great. Um, Those are good. A lot of people start with key um, ring lights. These are smaller, cheaper ones that you can get. Um, a lot of recommendations will tell you to like put your webcam and your ring light, which is a ring of light. It literally is in the name, like right together be, and put it yeah. right on you. And I hate that because it makes your eyes look like you get uh, the ring. You get a ring. Yeah. You see that in YouTube all the time. I hate it. I always see people's ring lights in their eyes. I mean, now that everything's 4K, you can't not see it, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, uh, one last thing, though, because funnily enough, and you'll love this, is I was on a call with Hanselman, and we were talking about this in a group setting, and people are like, you know, a lot of this stuff is sold out right now because everyone's buying webcams and stuff. And he's like, I had this genius idea, and I saw someone else do this on the internet, which was they went to Home Depot 
and they bought like those um construction lights or like clamp lights and just oh, put sure. a light bulb in it and just put them on there and it's like a $40 setup at home. Yeah. Uh I personally use clamp lights everywhere. I think they're the most convenient thing on the planet. <laughs> you can just attach them to anything. You can change the lighting in your apartment very easily. Mm-hmm. So that and literally, that's what I'm using for my lighting setup right now. Works great. But I need more light because I'm in a funny little spot. Funny pro tip for this one. Um, if you're a computer user like me, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast, there are YouTube channels that just have different light patterns on them and <laughs> oscillate between different colors. And you can use a monitor or something as a very cheap version, or maybe that's actually a very expensive version of uh, your lighting setup there. So you can literally just go to a YouTube channel to put on solid lights to illuminate your room. Oh, interesting. It's kind of silly, but if your room is dark enough, uh, we were playing with it. It actually works really good. You can change the tone of your room. Uh, really easily with that i did i've been experimenting for a long time with like color backdrops so like these aren't the lights that are shining on you but you might see like youtube videos where it's like a splash of green in one corner and red in the other corner and things like that where you have these accent lights and i've tried a bunch of them i tried like hues lights i tried um like expensive like um um like camera person like camera people lights i could change yeah. anywhere from a hundred dollars to $250. And they just weren't bright enough for me because <laughs> I'm already in a room that I have these two lights coming down. It needs to be strong. And I watched, um, a channel called alpha gamer and they do a lot of gaming sort of setup and they do some gear, but then also just general Twitch and YouTube stuff. And he did a light, a, um, a whole thing on lights. And he said, you can get these led floodlights for like 30 or 50 bucks and they have like a little controller where you can just adjust the rgb values so i picked one up and this thing is awesome because it's super crazy bright and whatever color you want and it was like 50 dollars free shipping on amazon and that was it and <laughs> it's 50 watts just like blast light on it and you can get a multi-pack for like you know just a few you know, it was like 70 bucks or whatever but comparatively to like smart ones where literally i was buying a smart light bulb to change it to blue I was like, why do I, it's not going to be bright enough because they had to put all the Wi-Fi and all the shenanigans in there. So I bought this thing and this thing is awesome. I'm going to use it on my stream on Friday for the first time and like <laughs> yeah. blow it up. But I want to go into a meeting where like throughout the meeting, like at work, I'm just changing the background colors. Like whenever I talk, <laughs> it's like a different color. Now it's a different color and see if yeah. I freak people out or not. That'd be fun. You're actually reminding me a lot of um, just stage lighting. You know, if mm. you've ever spent any time on the stage, you know you have a red and a blue light. It's always red and blue shining right in your face. It's, it's making you sweat. You literally can't see the audience because you have these red and blue lights shining down on you. And that's making me think, I absolutely need stage lighting in my room now. This is a necessity, a viral necessity. And uh, how about stage makeup? James, are you wearing, since you have stage lighting, do you have any stage makeup on? No, but I will say that I have done stage makeup before for a lot of like Microsoft um, events, like keynotes and pre-records. If if it's fancy, I'll have makeup on because that means they have budget because there's like a makeup person there. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a makeup person because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I have no idea either. But I will tell you that I look a thousand times better with makeup on, like especially during the recordings. I look so good. Like all the bags. It's literally are, the point of makeup, James. <laughs> it's so good. I look so good. It's not a lot. Like they just put a little bit on. Now, I hate having makeup on like later in the day because it starts to cake and my skin gets all mad or whatever. But... <laughs> I mean, honestly, I probably should think about it. Um, maybe I'll have to have Heather teach me how to put on makeup. Yeah. But I will say, like, you do look a thousand times better just by, like, the bags under your eyes or something like that. Because I'm coding. I'm live streaming after coding all day, right? So, like, I'm already stressed out and all the COVID <laughs> yeah. stuff. And I, maybe I should put some on. It's a good idea. It's so funny because, um, not to throw my father on the bus more than I already have on this episode, but he used to uh, coach the local hockey team. And so after some important games, he'd have to be on TV, right? Because it's important mm. local hockey stuff. And every time my mom would see him on TV, she'd be like, oh my God, look at those raccoon eyes. Because he just had <laughs> dark bags under all his eyes. And so after a few of those, she would make him put on tons of makeup before he was allowed on TV. And so I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if she's going to do that again now. 
Hmm. <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would be, that'd be pretty fantastic if so. All right. Well, yeah. I think we've spent enough time on this, but it's funny that you sort of turn this podcast into how to make Frank's Twitch stream a little bit better. And I like that. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I've done that for like the last three episodes, but you know, eventually I'll learn and I'll stop doing that to us. But <laughs> uh, no, this, this was for my dad. This was for okay. you, dad. I needed uh, some answers. Okay. So here's the last tip I'll have for people. I was watching emo stream, um, today and he's doing some really cool stuff. And I like his setup It's very minimalistic. It's just a webcam with a little rounded corners and then basically a full screen, very simple. And I like it. I do like simple setups. I've gotten way too complex and bingos and bangos and whatnot, <laughs> but I do like you said, I like to have the chat on the screen. You know, you got to make space for stuff. Um, and I could tell that I think the microphone he was using was very close to his laptop, if not the laptop microphone. And when laptops fans come, when they come on, you can picks it up. So the, the pro tip is an OBS on any audio source on anything. You can right click on it and say filters and on audio sources, like the microphones, even my super high end microphone, I add a, um, two things. One is, um, like noise suppression, which means it would suppress lower end noises that are really low. And in fact, the podcast, Mm -hmm. when we post produce it, does that on it. So if something happens and something is clacking in the kitchen, you don't hear that. I left the heater on. I do that all the time. Sorry, everyone, if I did that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it'll sort of try to remove that 100%. And then also a limiter. And a limiter is really important because um, if you don't have a pop filter, um, when you pop or whatever or say something, it'll, it'll spike the audio. So you can have a limiter that makes sure even if you're yelling, it, it limits it to a certain decibel. And those two settings are really all you need. Just the defaults. You're totally fine. And you're good to okay. go. Mm-hmm. Okay. But as someone who used to do something, uh, a little bit of reverb on your voice never hurt. Mm. <laughs> Turns out it sounds good. Sounds good. That's true. Just a tiny. Just, just a tiny. Turn the knob. Just a tiny little bit. Tiny little just reverb. A tiny bit. <laughs> That's good stuff. I got to use those filters too. I, I never, I never touch those audio filters. Actually, I saw someone hooked up some really crazy audio filters to their streams. So they were doing high pitch, low pitch, auto tune. I need the auto tune filter. Frank auto tune. That's what I need in my life. Uh, make that happen, Frank. All right. I'm going to get out of here. There's, we've talked for 52 minutes about, I don't even know, but we did it. So boom. It's video something. That's video. the topic. Brady Bunch free for all video something. (laughs) Free for all video something. All right. Well, let us know what you're using. And if you're working from home, I'd be interested too. Maybe you have a situation like Frank's dad. Maybe give him a recommendation right into the podcast. Go to mergeconflict.fm or just tweet at us. You know what to do. Uh, But thanks so much for listening to us rant on for, we didn't really rant. We just discussed things for way too long. But you know how I like to end a podcast. Thank you so much. This has been another Merge Conflict. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.